We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to the first episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Kissel, joined alongside six-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Nick Leckie, who was lucky enough to be one of the 17,000 fans at Arrowhead Stadium last night for the Chiefs' 34-20 victory over the Houston Texans to start this Run It Back tour. And we're going to break it all down for you here again on Outside the Trenches. Nick, how goes it today? It goes well. I'm a little tired. Um, that was a fun game to watch for the Chiefs. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and I think it was just awesome to see what everything was coming down to and to see if, if all the, the Zoom meetings and, and, you know, there's no Super Bowl hangover for sure. And I was, I was mildly concerned that there might have <laughs> been. But in Andy Reid and Brett Veach, we trust. Yes, I am not going to lie. I expected there to be some more sloppy football than we saw. I know the tackling and for a lot of for a number of plays wasn't great on either side, which I think can be expected, but the game in general is just a lot more clean than I had expected. Cause my expectations were pretty low to be honest, but that's what I get for doubting that these guys could get ready to play in this kind of environment. And we all learned something, but again, the sixth straight opening weekend win for the chiefs under Andy Reed, that is the longest current streak in the NFL. And before we get into this show, Nick, we'd be remiss to not thank our presenting sponsor of this show in Jack Stack Barbecue. They're the ones that are making this possible. And a real quick, if you didn't catch the intro episode, we talked about it there. We're going to talk about it right now. They've got two tailgate packs this season. The first one for two people is 20 wings, a half pint of beans, and a half pint of cheesy corn for 25 bucks. And then a tailgate pack for four, eight pork spare ribs, one pound of beef burn ends, one pound of smoked sausage medallions, one pint of hickory beans and one pint of cheesy corn bake. That is $50. We had some of it yesterday for lunch. I brought some home for my family for dinner. I know I just made everybody hungry, but we thank our friends at Jack Stack for making this possible. I think that's the whole point, BJ, right? It's like <laughs> just, a, just a subtle reminder that Jack Stack has some fire barbecue and they, they got do. A, a couple locations of service here in Kansas City. And don't they mail? Can't they ship domestically? They do. They ship all over the country. So everybody is getting so mad about all the tweets about Jack Stack because they don't live in Kansas City. Those fine people there will ship you, dry ice ship you, barbecue all over the country. 
I mean, you can experience it just like all of us that are lucky enough here to be in Kansas City get to experience that as well. But uh, we've got a great show. It's a whole lot of fun to break down a win, particularly one that uh, seemed like the Chiefs were clicking on all cylinders. And we'll get into all that. We've got our MVPs of the games, uh, the obvious ones and some not so obvious ones. Uh, we've got a quick rundown and we've got our key observations and then some storylines to kind of pay attention to moving forward. Uh, but Nick, when we get started, I'd be remiss to say, because I know there's a lot of people tuning in, uh, because the talk of Twitter, Chiefs Twitter this morning at least, unfortunately, um, and I know that at least myself was a part of this as well, uh, had a lot to say and had thoughts about what happened pregame. And this is a football podcast, and we will talk about that later in the show just so we do address it, because I know you have thoughts because you were there. I have thoughts for watching it on the TV broadcast. We will get into that later. This is a football podcast, and that's what we're going to do right now. So, Nick, to get this thing started, we're going to do our fire-kissed wings rundown. This is our appetizer. We're just going <laughs> to just touch on little things. See how we do these segments? You just you give I me like too much this. time, and this food is what related. happened. It's food-related. Food, I love it. Food every segment. Every segment's going to be something Jack Stack related on the menu. Just get used to it. I can call it first down, or I can call it the fire-kissed wings rundown. I, I like you, I like your way better. His own. All right. Uh, so the first one, the theme of the game. And so it's just overall the theme of what happened when the game started. For me, Nick, it was Clyde edwards Lair. I came into this night wanting to see him play because I've just been hearing about how giddy. I remember how giddy Andy Reid was on draft night when they got him. And then you just hear the buzz and you start hearing guys like Lewis Riddick come out and say that he's his number one pick in fantasy football this season, which is huge praise. But Lewis is also very tied into the Chiefs and yeah. kind of knew, knew a little bit of what we might see. And so when a guy goes out, puts up 138 yards on the ground with a touchdown, becoming the first player or the youngest player in NFL history to do that in his NFL debut, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, for all that fantasy football talk, uh, answered a lot of questions and has a lot of defensive coordinators probably having nightmares right now. And, and I think for him, I think this is why the Chiefs drafted him so high, is that, that he's coming from a, a, the pro-style offense in LSU. You know, they, they totally revamped their offense, and, and that's why they made other teams look like they were playing junior varsity, and, and they were in varsity football with LSU. So he's come in smooth, smooth in transition, well into the NFL, and it looks like he was, he was comfortable running the ball had some confidence. He had some patience. He was waiting for those holes to open up. And as a, as a former offensive lineman, I loved watching that, you know, and, and I think that, that he handled the, the situation. Well, he, he had what one dropped pass and I didn't think it was, it was a, a good ball from Mahomes, you know? Yeah. So he, the man had, does have some weaknesses, right? Mahomes does. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get more into Clyde Edwards Elaire a little bit later, particularly the fact that they didn't use him in the passing game. And we know that's a huge part of what's in that, that playbook and a lot of what Andy Reid was probably so excited this offseason and drawing up plays. He didn't need to show that week one. Instead, he uses power run game with Kalecki oh. Osamelli just pancaking dudes mm. as we're going to get into observations for later. But uh, definitely going to talk a little bit more about Clyde Edwards Elaire. But that was the theme of the game, uh, it sounds like for both of us. Uh, the stat of the game for myself, Patrick Mahomes now three touchdown passes in more than 50% of his career games played. Played 37 career games, and 19 of those, he already has at least three touchdown passes. These we remember we talked about on the old show about not overlooking or not taking even these kinds of things for granted, and that you know just because you got a guy that can put up crazy video game like numbers doesn't mean we still shouldn't appreciate them every time they happen. 
It is. And and I think that's what I love about Mahomes. He is so good right there. And then, and then how many pressures did my guy, Frank Clark have BJ? <laughs> I think he had five pressures. Chris Jones had six. Frank Clark had five. Uh, grief. They were, I, I love that stat. I, I love that in. stat because a pressure or a sack it, it's, it, it makes the quarterback think it, it gets them out of the rhythm and you, you you've done your job as a defense lineman. And as an O lineman, you have failed your job. Yeah, every offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus, for the Texans gave up multiple pressures. So it wasn't just one guy that just got beat the entire game. Everybody, at some point or another, got beat by a Chiefs defensive lineman. And with some of the injuries that we'll get into a little bit, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a great sign for some of those guys up front. We know what Chris Jones can do. We know what Frank Clark can do. Um, But to see a guy like Tershawn Wharton, undrafted free agent from Missouri S&T, not too far Mm -hmm. away, uh, for him to step in and play and, you know, it's the first time I've seen a number 98 and nothing against everyone who's been number 98 for the Chiefs lately, but that guy can run. And he was chasing down plays from the backside. I was like, it's the first time I've seen a 98 for the Chiefs in six years. Be running down the field 20 yards to make a play. But um, the other thing, Nick, and uh, you had another one when we talked uh, before this uh, show began regarding the turning point in this game, where for me, I felt like it kind of set the tone when Andy Reid, you know, early in that game went for it, you know, from his own 35 yard line on fourth and short. And I was screaming at the TV that here comes that inside spin trap thing with Anthony Sherman, because that is the go-to fourth (laughs) down play. I don't have the stats. I haven't looked it up. I'm sure somebody will let me know on Twitter, but every time it's been a fourth down, I want to say like at least 50% of the time they run that play exactly to Anthony Sherman and it's successful. So maybe they just line up and tell him where it's going. I like that. You test everybody and everyone knows it's coming and you still can't stop it. So you know what? They'll run something new when they stop it. And I think for me, the the, kind of the opposite turning point, and this is something I think you had to be in game is with 11 minutes left. And I believe that Texas might've only had seven points at the time they played Mm -hmm. queen. We are the champions. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, no, no, stop. I was like, hey, stop. Stop it. Don't do that. Who's running the accordion and the DJ soundtrack? You know, we don't need that nonsense. And it was like I had feelings of Texans last year when they blew their 21-point lead because it got kind of close, a little, little too close for comfort. And and it's just like, you know, music has a big impact in these these lack of fan environment. And, and yeah. I feel like that shifted. That pissed off the Texans. You know, if yeah. I was playing them and I was like, what the hell? Like, the no way. Is- they scored 14 points after that. And you know, my favorite reaction was seeing how pissed off Tyron Matthew was on those like two touchdowns. Cause yes, the game was still in play. And like, yeah. I get, I get that and they're competitive. You never want to let anyone score, but I still love seeing that. Like, I know it's there. I know it's obvious. You never, they're competing. These guys are professionals, but to see them get out there and just be outwardly so angry that they gave up points just tells you that their expectations uh, and what they expect of themselves uh, and each other. Uh, it's just different. And it just, that's that vibe. That's that culture uh, that we've talked about that you've talked about with the different teams that you've been on that have been successful. Um, but that drive, the fourth down from Andy Reed and they're down seven, nothing when he does that ends with a touchdown. He was like a seven play, like six minute drive uh, ends with that first touchdown to tie it up. And then it was kind of, you know, over after that. But um, those are the three first parts of this show that we're calling the fire kissed wings rundown that is the appetizer so now we're going to go on to the sides you know the beans and the cheesy corn you know those hickory pit beans at jack stack and that cheesy corn those are your mvps you know those 
the, I understand the main course of what people talk about, but when I go to Jack stack, it's always a good meal because the meat's always good wherever you go to get barbecue, but their sides to me are what make the biggest difference. And so I want your obvious MVP from the game and a not so obvious MVP from the game. I'll have you start. Who's your obvious so I, MVP? I think my obvious is, and I'm going to go with uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I think in tandem, they did a fantastic job of, of uh, containing the quarterback, very mobile quarterback and Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I think if you let him escape, if, if you, uh, I was explaining to someone at the game, they're like, what does it mean when, when you rush down the middle? And I was like saying, well, as a D lineman, you, you never rush. They say, don't rush down the middle. Don't rush down the middle. Don't rush down the middle. And, and they were rushing down the middle because you have to. Because you have to, mm-hmm. you have to say, I have to be impactful enough to drive the offensive lineman back, and then if, if I chose choose a side, it's checkmate, and then Deshaun Watson's going to go the other side, and that's his rush lane, you know. So he's keeping one eye on his routes, and then he's keeping one eye uh, on the D lineman to see if anyone you know gets out of the rush lane. So so um, Chris Jones did a fantastic job, and Frank Clark did a fantastic job, and just playing in sync with each other. And it's like, you know, having each other's back on, on rundowns and, and getting those pressures. And, and there was a couple times where, where they, they funneled sacks into Chris Jones, you know, mm-hmm. and like Chris Jones, he gets the credit, but those sacks were, were funneled by the other D linemen. So I think just the way they play together is so awesome. And, and I really, really love that. And my not so obvious and, and kind of a uh, little bit different, this is really outside the trenches would be <laughs> all the defensive backs. Uh, I think that okay. they, they played smart football. They, they were able to, to kind of force routes outside. So they didn't really mm-hmm. allow too many inside routes. Uh, one time the tight end and fells, he got a, 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 a catch up the middle for like a, a conversion. And, but it was kind of on the, on the linebacker and there was, they, they put him in checkmate where there's a two way go. And so he mm-hmm. chose poorly, uh, but de- defensive backs were getting their heads around on routes, yep. which is super tough to do. And, you know, when you have, uh, when you're forcing your receiver out outside wide to the boundary, and then you're able to look up, they have some sort of communication where they say, look behind and they were tracking the ball and it was beautiful, fundamental football. And I like that. Yes. I had a feeling that, uh, that's exactly what you were going to be talking <laughs> about. Uh, but along those same lines, cause I know a lot of people are talking about legerious need in this, the game that he had uh, as a rookie, as it goes into, you know, one of my observations here in a little bit with Brett Veach having another good night uh, with some of the guys who stepped up and made plays, but a legerious need for early in that game uh, for having an opportunity to step up and basically make the tackle on David Johnson and not doing that on that touchdown for him to basically bounce back from that and to show that kind of short memory uh, to make some of the plays that he did, particularly in the passing game where it was obvious early. I know they mentioned it on the TV broadcast that they were attacking him. You know, he's the guy they wanted to go after as a mid round rookie pick uh, who's getting to play, and start right away or getting a lot of playing time with Bashad Breland being suspended. It was a big opportunity for Legereus Need going up against the Texans offense that, you know, you didn't know who the go-to guy was going to be. It ended up being Wolf Fuller had 10 of the 20 targets uh, on the day for the receivers out of that group. But, you know, you didn't know with DeAndre Hopkins not being there, who was going to get all the targets from Deshaun Watson. So a uh, great job by Legereus Need, but my obvious MVP candidate uh, Clyde edwards Lair, I mentioned at the top of the show, but he broke seven tackles on 25 carries, doing basically picking up where he left off at LSU. And then on top of that, averaged 4.2 yards after contact per rushing attempt. And I know you joke about it all the time, those little guys when they get in the trenches and the comparisons were made to a guy that you played with at K-State 
and Darren Sproles. And we saw it on his touchdown run. That was vintage plant that left foot and drive. And Justin Reed had no prayer. And we talked about that back on the old show when we were at the Chiefs when the draft pick was made that they were going to figure out ways. And if Andy Reed can get Clyde Edwards, he past the first line of defense past that first wave, that next wave, that first guy is not going to tackle him. And we saw Justin Reed basically became the first of many of what we're going to see of that guy making plays. But uh, Andy Reed gave DC some nightmares. We said that earlier, but, and then my not so obvious MVP Nick is Steve Spagnolo. And for a few different reasons, one of them's kind of obvious and one of them's uh, a little nerdy and I'll defer to you on some of, some of my takes on this is I just kind of, you know, share what I think. And you tell me when I'm being completely stupid, but you know, the fact that the chief defense got pressure on Deshaun Watson, 46% of the time, uh, I know that they allowed, you know, the 20 points with the two touchdowns in the final seven minutes, but you know, I think some of that probably had to do with injuries. You know, it's an early game. You don't know what conditioning is going to be like. D-line gets banged up. Those guys may end up playing more snaps than they wanted to because Okafor was out. Colin Saunders was out by the end of the game. So there could be some reasons for that. But I think Steve Spagnuolo did a phenomenal job. And Nick, you know, when you're up by three possessions in the fourth quarter, and it's third and 10, and you run a zero blitz. And I know we do that. And I yes. know that yes. Steve Spagnuolo loves to go zero blitz. The first thing that popped in my mind, same thing on the red zone on the offensive side with like all the runs up the middle with Clyde Edwards, Elaire. I'm like, these are tendency breakers. Like, this is not stuff that they're going to do when it's a tight game. These are, they're just showing them to screw up the numbers and those tendencies mm-hmm. that you know, position coaches and coordinators, they look at those numbers. And when you don't have a huge sample size early in the year and you start doing things outside of what you know you're going to do because it's not a high leverage, high pressure, pressure situation, it's ingenious and it's that chess match within the game. You tell me, am I out to lunch and thinking? They had a three-possession game with six minutes to go that they may be doing some things that are a little out of what we will know to be their character just to throw off some stuff. It's bonus practice time, just like when to, to close up the game, they, they ran the ball three times. Like They could have dialed up another pass if they needed it, like they did early on in the game to get it, but they, they, they chose to run the ball to get practice. Same thing on defense, right? Hey, let's throw in this exotic all-out blitz and let's mm-hmm. stress our corners and let's see if our corners can handle man to man with no help, no nothing. And, and I think they did a great job. Like they, they completed the pass mm-hmm. and, and that's totally fine, but your job and they made the conversion, but your job as a corner is say, don't get beat deep. Just don't yeah. get beat deep. And, you know, and that's to be expected. Cause I mean, you're covering man, you're not going to, you know, it's, it's going to be tough to turn around and, you know, get your head around, find the ball position and try and go for a pick. Um, but no, it was awesome. And you're right. It is a tendency breaker. And as an offensive lineman, when you're practicing at practice, it's, it's, you're, you're in the film room and you say, listen, uh, here's their one tendency. Here's a one-off. They did this all out blitz. And it was like a third long they're up. You said, but we're still going to practice it. Right. So, so <laughs> yeah. you're throwing it, you're throwing in something to your, your opponents for, for this whole season is you're throwing that into practice and you're making them look at that. So you're making them take an extra rep on that. So it works. It works so many different ways that we don't see as fans uh, is behind the scenes on the practice field. One of the things I want to ask about before we move on to the injury update real fast, because there were, like we talked about earlier, a few injuries um, regarding the way that Clyde Edwards, Elaire, pr- the, the phrase in the, the phrase that's used is presses the hole and that you saw him, kind of reading and kind of running right off like the back hip 
of those offensive linemen to where like he was basically like rubbing up against them as he was moving past them as just a way to create the as little amount of space and to hide as long as he could as an offensive lineman, whether it's outside zone or whatever the different, whatever the running scheme or the blocking scheme is for that play. Can you just speak to what you saw from Clyde Edwards, Elaire and how he kind of pressed the hole and kind of how he utilized and showed that patience running behind some of those linemen and just, it looked like a veteran player who knew exactly how to set up and utilize his linemen as he was maneuvering past that second level. And that's the one thing where, where I stressed coming from a, a, a true pro style offense is, is his running ability and his running confidence is, is he, he's picked up the playbook and you can see that with, he had no hesitation uh, with, with any of the plays he was comfortable, not sprinting through the hole, but running through the hole and being mm-hmm. patient, but not quite Le'Veon Bell where he's walking up to the line of scrimmage and finding his hole. Yeah. Like he was, he was getting into his run fits very well. And, and he was getting into his lanes and he was, he was trusting the O lineman. And if, and if, if the play called for, okay, you're going to hit the gap in between the right guard and right tackle, then he would, he would hit that gap and he wouldn't try to play jazz or he wouldn't try to try to improvise at all. And then, and then good running backs, when they stick with the script, they stick with the game plan. They make their hay in the second quarter and as the or the second half, as the game progressed, right? You saw that's when he had those breakout runs. That's when he's getting into the second level, and that's when he's juking JJ Watt on the goal line. And so that was something to me where where I saw him being uh, as a rookie to come out and play like that. I mean, he earned those stats. There's no garbage stat in. There's no garbage runs in. He earned all of those stats, and and he really impressed me because like, he is what I was hoping he would be. Yeah, I put him in Canton in a group text last night. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, How many bullfucks you know deep are you on that one, right? No, I don't even care at this point. I'm not going to lie. I texted – I was in the text message. I was like, he's going to Canton. They're like, oh, you're crazy. I'm like, just hear me out. Just hear the logic. Yeah. And that as a running back, how many years did Terrell Davis have that were like prime year, like where he was like a top three back in the league? Three or four. Two, right, like two maybe? Two maybe five tops. Yeah. Maybe if we misremember. Like five right. years tops, won a couple Super Bowls. If you look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, from what we saw last night and what we know about what this offense has, if everybody stays healthy, Andy Reid's going to be here. Travis Kelsey's going to be here. Tyreek Hill's going to be here. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, obviously. You have all these weapons. He's going to be a top five running back in the league for the next five years, stat-wise, whether it's combined yards. We didn't even see the passing game last night. No. I have full confidence that he is going to be a guy for the next five years. And I'm also have confidence that the chiefs are going to go win two or three super bowls at minimum over the next five <laughs> years. So when you're talking about just that five year window, you're talking about a top five running back for five years with multiple super bowl wins. That yeah. based on what we've seen, that puts you in that candidacy. So I'm not going to be surprised when he puts up huge numbers and the team keeps having success that the back part of that is that a lot of these guys are going to have those cases to be made in, you know, 15 years, whenever their career is done and they're five years past. But um, people are going to think I'm crazy and I'm not trying to be first because I'm sure somebody said it already after his right. first run, after his first touchdown. But, um, but yeah, I already threw that out there. Why not? I can do that now. <laughs> and <I'm>, and <laughs> I, I like to throw cold water. I like to throw cold water on, on, on your, on your fire for sure. But I think it's one yeah. game. But That's everything, hating, everything that, yeah, it is <laughs> hating. You obviously hate Clyde. You don't think he's going to Canton already? You uh, hate him. I like, Nick you're right. Exactly. That, that's, that's one plus one equals seven. You're so He needs correct. a nickname, though. 
It's a lot to spit out really quickly. I like the letters. Clyde, C-E-H. Yeah, I'm going to say Clyde. We don't know any other Clydes. I'm not talking about no, you Clyde Drexler. You know? Everyone knows in Kansas City when you say Clyde, what do you mean? Maybe. Exactly. But no, he's, he's got a- the fundamentals, BJ. So we'll see yeah. if he can continue on this track. Cool. All right. Now, injury update. Three guys. Uh, Coach Reed talked about last night that were injured. Colin Saunders, uh, second-year defensive lineman, has a dislocated elbow. You can kind of tell when he went down that he was in some pain uh, with that. Depending upon whether there's ligament damage or anything like that, it's not supposedly – we don't know anything, not breaking news here. But if there's no ligament damage, it's maybe a month, uh, maybe four or five games tops. Uh, depending upon, you know, what the severity is, if it is pretty severe, you know, we tweeted out last night, but hopefully it's not, uh, anything that's season ending, but, uh, the idea right now is it could be maybe a month. Um, and then Charvarius Ward fractured hand. And he's one of those guys. I know that he was one of the national reporters. I don't want to miss, um, tag who it was, I think it may have been Ian Rappaport. That could be wrong. That tweeted out that Charvarius Ward with his hand fracture is already getting surgery. And if those guys can play with clubs, uh, we saw it with Kendall Fuller the last couple of years with his thumb that he just wrapped that thing up and went out and played. Don't know what that looks like. Um, but he may be back sooner rather than later. And then Alex Okafor was a hamstring injury and nobody that, uh, none of the beat reporters who were there, uh, made it seem like that's too serious of an injury. Maybe it's a little time, but, um, you look at the two defensive linemen that went down, You've got uh, Braxton Hoyt as a defensive tackle who's on the practice squad. And then that's it because Mike Pinnell is suspended for two games. So if Colin Saunders can't play next week and if Alex Okafor can't play as a defensive end, maybe Taco Charlton gets his first time uh, playing because he was inactive uh, last night, the former first-round pick that joined the Chiefs this offseason. But the Chiefs can either go out and get a vested veteran and I'll let you speak to a little bit about that process because if you're a veteran who hasn't signed after before this – if you sign after week one, then your contract's not guaranteed. So we've seen a number of like big name defensive linemen or big name players uh, that haven't signed yet. And the, the most obvious one is Damon Harrison. Call him Snacks Harrison. He is a free agent. He's probably going to get picked up soon. I don't know if it makes sense for the Chiefs because you got to look at that roster composition when Pinnell and Colin Saunders come back and you've got too many guys. And what do you do there? Um, but if the Chiefs do want to go outside and not bring up Braxton Hoyt, Damon Harrison would be a guy that I'm sure fans will start talking about pretty soon. So what you're referring to is uh, if a vested veteran, so if you're four years or, or more in the NFL and you're, you're on the whatever your team is, if you're on the kickoff, so you're on the team when the ball is kicked off, then that means that since you're a vested veteran, one of the, the perks is that you or your, your salary is guaranteed yep. for that year. So you could get cut yep. that next week. And then and kick off for week out. one. And kick off for yes. week one. Yeah. Just week yeah. one. That that that's it. Just week one. That means your your salary is guaranteed for the rest of the year. And then you can go on do a what's known as the double dip. So if they release mm-hmm. you, sometimes and guys get released because sometimes you have a lot of people on IR and you're you're a cap casualty. You're you're not making a playoff, so you get released like week ten or week twelve. And then that mm-hmm. way you can go at another team and it's a one time deal only. And you you can get on that team and then you're double dipping is what is what we say. So it's a rare yeah. thing to happen, but it happens. And then the, the advantage if you sign a veteran week two is you can cut them week three, and all you have to do is pay them week two. Yeah. And either way, I know Chiefs fans, Mike Pinnell, MVP, MV Pinnell is a fan favorite, and he'll be back soon, but he won't be there next week. So it'll be interesting to see what Brett Veach and them do as the team gets ready to go on and uh, travel to take on the Chargers next week uh, as they're dealing with their own injuries that we'll get to here in a little bit. But uh, right now we're going to our crime Crown prime beef rib main course, and that is our key observations. We've already went through a lot of these, 
Uh, Nick, but my first observation from last night, just overall, was that Andy Reid is ruthless because everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes and what can this offense do and how can Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get in there. And for the all of last season, the Chiefs never ran the ball more than they threw it. And then the first time he gets an opportunity to show people what they can do, one, he doesn't throw the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at all, which I think we'll laugh about at the end of the year, like he intentionally didn't do that. But to run the football and for defensive coordinators around the NFL that the Chiefs are going to play this year to watch this offense and to see what Kalecki Osamelli did up front to create some holes, to give that physicality in the Chiefs running game. And for Clyde Edwards Elaire to show the running style that he did. And let's not pretend that it was just a bunch of blown assignments up front. He was running through the trash. He was getting around bodies. He was breaking through arm tackles. Like we said, four, seven missed tackles last night. Andy Reid is ruthless in that he showed intentionally the rest of the NFL that if they need to, they can just ground it out. They can just pound you and be a physical football team with the fact that they've got that high-flying offensive Patrick Mahomes as well. And then my my obvious one is sort of like 1B with Andy mm-hmm. Reid and Biennemi. And I think – and it's always – it's just every year – or I'm sorry, last year and this year, the red zone play calling is superb. Mm-hmm and sublime some of those some of the ways that they that they manipulate space they simulate um not sweeps but like wide receiver screens that are (laughs) in lieu of a sweep and and they try to run the ball in the goal line and that's one of my not so obvious is the red zone run blocking that's a different story um but the way the way that they, they can manufacture touchdowns say this isn't working okay here's something that's and it looks different but then when you see the replay, like, okay, it's just a wide receiver screen with some motion. So just the way the yeah. way Andy Reid encompasses um, snap count, uh, encompasses uh, movement, uh, pre pre snap movement, and just you know manipulating space. Man, it just oh my gosh, it's like he's playing three D chess, and these suckers are playing checkers. That's, That's my favorite analogy that you give, and I say I we talked about it on the last show that there are plays that the chiefs have like some of those tight end screens that I was told the chiefs have like 16 different variations off the same play. They can do 16 different things with it. And they may have shown like five to this point. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't even shown a third of all the different variations they have of plays. You just figure out the right time to use them. And then you teach one play 16 different ways. It's kind of like the old Herman Boone and remember the Titans. He's like, I got four plays and we just run them perfectly. The Chiefs don't have a ton of plays. They just have a ton of variations of the same plays. And like you said, they window dress all of it. Um, But second observation for me is just Brett Veach should take a bow. Uh, For the night that he had, again, we talked about his offseason with him and uh, Brent Tillis and Chris Shea to get all the contracts done with Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and um, getting Travis Kelsey re-upped and all the moves that they made. But also the pick of Legereus Need to get an interception on the opening night. Uh, like I said, Kalecki Osamelli to make plays. Tershawn Wharton is an undrafted free agent. Brett Veach has done a phenomenal job in building this roster again and figuring out ways to bring in guys late in this process. Kalecki Osamelli has only been with this team like a month. And for him to step in week one, he only played in three games last year. For him to step in and play the way he did, the way that he did, it's a credit to him. It's a credit to all the guys in that offensive line room to get him up to speed. I know he's played at a high level in his career, but let's not pretend that there's still not things he needs to learn about this offense. So credit to Eric Fisher as a guy playing right next to him. But for me, Brett Veach should take a bow after last night because um, he did it again. And then um, another riff 
off of yours when you when you tie Sammy Watkins taking less money yep. than he could have gotten somewhere else, but him being the star, the wide receiver star, the the bright spot for Patrick Mahomes. And and that was usually like last season, last season for me, uh, I noticed and never really quite commented because I feel like it's a weakness or maybe we did, but um, Mahomes needed Kelsey. Like, I don't feel mm. like Mahomes got comfortable in games until he completed one pass to Kelsey. And then, and then I love, I love Sammy Watkins because he's a guy who really, really wants to be there, put his money where his mouth is. Right. Yep. And said, like, this is how much I want to be. I'll take, I'll, 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 re- I'll restructure my contract. And for him to come out and play like he did, it's like, yes, this is the Sammy Watkins that I love. And, and I will sing Sammy Watkins praises from, <laughs> from here to Timbuktu because yeah. he is a wide receiver and he gets the ball. He catches the ball in the open field and something about him, he does an about face and he says, now I'm a running back. And, mm-hmm. and he, he is the only receiver that I see will, he, he doesn't run diagonally. He runs north and south. And it's so yeah. amazing that he, he gets that ball and he's a power runner and it's just, Oh my gosh. And, and he earned that touchdown. That was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome I, to see. I don't think it, it's the exception, not the rule as far mm-hmm. as players taking pay cuts and taking less money to the hometown discounts and all that. But we talked about it for an entire year and we didn't, we weren't projecting anything to happen, but we said, Sammy's a different kind of guy. And he really cares about the culture and about feeling comfortable with who he is and who he's around and that he has that in Kansas city. And it's not to say there's not frustrations at times. And that these guys are competitive. Everybody wants the ball and everybody made a big deal of his comments um, over the off season and the bleacher report article. But the guy that I was around uh, for the last couple of years was a guy that loved being in that locker room, loved the fact that his teammates accepted him for who he is and that he can be himself in that locker room, that his family loves it here. And that, so I wasn't terribly surprised when they got it done. I'm happy that they got it done. And I'm happy that he stepped up and made plays and made an impact right away because we know that it was his time tonight. Tyreek is going to have his 200-yard game. McCole Hardman is going to have a huge game. And then Demarcus Robinson, I know we had a tough night last night, but he's going to step up and make plays because we've seen him do that. And so it's nice when you have so many weapons that different guys can step up in different nights. Last night, it was Clyde Edwards-Elair, Sammy Watkins, and obviously Kelsey did his thing. Tyreek made a few plays, but uh, you can't stop everybody, and there's only so many balls to go around. Uh, But, Nick, the next thing I want to talk about, because this is one of those cliches that's talked about a lot, and it's a take that you and I have not discussed yet. So for everybody listening, this is one of those times where Nick would be like, that's dumb, BJ. So here we go. You know how everybody talks about like the screen game basically being an extension of the running game? Because they're safe passes, they're easy passes, even some of those bubble screens uh, and some of that stuff to the outside. Those are very, especially with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, his arm strength, his accuracy. Those are very high probability of being uh, completed passes and picking up yards. And so you stretch the field horizontally, the old West Coast system, and they're doing that with some of those, that quick passing game. It's always talked about as the screen game. I would go as far as saying that that RPO game that the Chiefs run with those slants, Patrick Mahomes is so accurate and he's so good at getting rid of it so quickly to the right guy that I'm going to say that most of the short passes, even the ones across the line of scrimmage, that's still an extension of the Chiefs running game because they're so efficient with it. So when Patrick Mahomes averages 2.1 seconds per release last night during the game, and he's completing 85% of those passes, he only threw seven passes beyond 10 yards down the line of scrimmage. And so he's completing passes at 70, 80% clip. Like this is a simple, like 
extension of the running game. And it's something that we're taking for granted because he makes it look so easy. But how much more difficult is that to defend when he could just spread you out and immediately know off the snap because of the mental acuity that he'll never get enough credit for because we're enamored with the highlights. His ability to go to the right person and be able to deliver an accurate pass from all different platforms with his feet and with his arm, it it's those things that we shouldn't take for granted. And and we should not at all too. And and the way that they run it too, and 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 this is my my obvious but not so obvious that tied into to this one, my my final one, was the fact that the offensive alignment, there was a couple of those true RPOs where the the O-line, when I saw the replays, it was such a quick pass. I thought it was just a simple play action. The mm-hmm. O-line was comma blocking up to the linebacker that that I know they thought it was a run. And it was mm-hmm. it was one of those places where where it's best just tell the old lineman, hey, just run block. And then, yeah. you know, quarterback knows it's on him to get that ball out of his hands quick. It's snap, yep. it's one step back, throw it. And to make those completions, man, you have to, I mean, you have to factor in linebackers blitzing, safeties rotations, um, you know, how it's gonna look, and you know, are they getting in an open space? And it's it takes a lot. Like it's such a simple thing. Like you think, right? Oh, step back, throw it, duh. Everyone can do that. No, it's not. There's like mental calculations and trajectories that you have to factor in that and he does make it look simple. And I think that's the the beauty of Mahomes is his, his game is sublime, you know, and it's really, if you can really look at it and appreciate it, it's, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. It is beautiful. And we, as we get close to the end of the show, again, thank you all for tuning into this first episode of outside the trenches presented by our friends at Jack stack. We appreciate them. And please, rate review subscribe we are starting a new podcast network from scratch so whether youtube is your thing whether it's facebook or whether it's spotify or apple that's all the places you can find this podcast we appreciate all your support and for giving us a review Uh, but before we get to the final segment nick i want to give you an opportunity because i have one last segment that we kind of teased at at the beginning of the show but are there any other observations of what happened once the game started uh, that you want to touch on before we get into the last part of the show so I would say one, and it's it's kind of I I did I did don't like to diss on the O line, but but there mm-hmm. there is a could be an issue uh, with running the ball in the goal line, right? Okay. So so I, I would say we, the, Kansas City the O line had some struggles, just sort of kind of figuring out how they wanted angles, uh, you know how they wanted blocking, and then and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire might not be in sync with the O line and and where to hit it, but there were some struggles, but. That's the beauty of an interviewed offense. So, okay, let's use our passing lanes. You know, it's not working right now tonight, so let's try something different. And so that's why towards the end of the game, right, they're running those extra reps on the goal line to see, okay, let's try some different things, see what else can work. So, but overall, I think the O-line did great, you know, keeping Mahomes clean. and, And that's what matters. Okay. I know one of the other observations that we had that I did touch on earlier was just Legereus need and his short memory of, of not making the tackle on the touchdown run early in that game from David Johnson, who for the Texans say what we want about the Texans and Bill O'Brien in the offseason. David Johnson looked like the David Johnson that we're used to seeing a few years ago. He had some really nice runs. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not saying that that was a good trade. What I'm saying is that Texans fans were hoping that to get the good David Johnson of the one that, you know, fantasy footballers know from a few years ago, it seemed like that guy's got some juice and that they're going to make some plays. And that with Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, there's going to be some weapons on this team. The Texans are going to be okay. Uh, You can't replace the best receiver in the league outside of Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, and DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, that is something for the Texans, at least, that David Johnson looked pretty good. All right, Nick. And now, and I know that 
uh, this was a hot button topic and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because in the grand scheme of things, it was not a lot of people. Um, but I put something out on Twitter during pregame regarding the booing that we heard very audibly during the TV broadcast during the, when the guys were locking arms at the beginning of the game for like the unity at, in the middle of the field. And what's become apparent just in any kind of situation like this is that everybody starts arguing about different things that it was, well, they weren't booing during the anthem. We weren't talking about the anthem. You know, everybody that was watching it on TV knew exactly what we were talking about on Twitter because we all heard it and we all saw it. And I thought it was incredibly disappointing to hear that and to know that it wasn't and see all the other videos for me, knowing that it wasn't all of the fans. I never thought that it was everyone. What I thought was in this environment that, you know, we're in as a country right now and knowing how many people, and we haven't seen the ratings yet, but like knowing how many people were watching the first game of the NFL season between two good teams and two of the best young quarterbacks that basically get signed for a billion dollars over the last you know <laughs> month, that a lot of people are going to be watching this game and it was going to feature the Kansas City community and right, wrong, or indifferent, what the world saw was players getting booed during a unity thing. And whether that was a lot of people, a few people, whether it's fair or not, I don't disagree with you. But that moment was a fail because everybody saw and heard and felt the same thing that I did when they saw it. And so that was what was disappointing for me. I had talked with people. I know I talked with you. You were at the game. You did hear some boos, but nothing close to what we heard on the TV broadcast. And it wasn't really indicative of the environment. Yeah, and that's correct, too. And I think my, my wife even um, she even texted me. It was like saying, were they booing? And I was like, I don't know if it was people saying chiefs or if it was one or two. And and I don't think we'll ever, I don't think you can ever get to 100% of something. You know, I think you can get to 99% and you can try for that extra hundred percent. But I think you'll always have a few outliers who, who you just can't, they're, they're, they're stuck in their ways. And, and there's some ignorance there that, that is either, you know, learned or, or taught, you know, as, as they were growing up and, and they might not have a lot of love in their hearts for, for people based off of a, a skin color. And, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't look, look within to see what kind of person that they are. So, um, but no, overall, I think that's not indicative of, of the fans at Arrowhead, um, the yeah. fans that were at the game. So I would say, you know, if it was 98% people were quiet and then there might've been 2% booing, but it was definitely not as loud as it was on the TV copy. Yeah. Either way, it's just, it's disappointing for me. As an, and I said, I was being naive that I didn't think anybody in this environment with everybody being so excited that football was back. I didn't think a single person would take that opportunity to, to be that vocal against anything. But the, the sad part of all this is that it, it it's overshadowing, and and I was part yeah. of it last night with my tweet. I wasn't trying to no. be this big guy, but everybody's talking about it nationally. And so I, it's disappointing that the conversation wasn't how cool the unity message was and that these players did come together and that they are doing things and we're seeing things that you know we haven't seen in the past, uh, that these players are coming together. They're organized. We saw the Miami Dolphins video that was really powerful of what they were able to do. And we saw the anthem and the George Floyd and the Brianna Taylor shirts, which I thought was a great touch um, Mm -hmm. for the two girls that were singing the national anthem. So uh, I think in general, I think it was a great message. I just feel like the moment was a fail because of outside factors, however we want to say it, just we had that opportunity and whatever excuse we want to say, I feel like it didn't, didn't come through the way that any of us wanted to in representing our city. Uh, That being said, we still have work to do. Um, regardless of, you know, one person still too many. And so, um, 
that is all we've got for the observations. Uh, we've got one final carrot cake dessert. That's going to probably gonna have to come up with a new name, Nick. I don't know. That one's probably pretty <laughs> weak. Uh, but the carrot cake dessert is key, key storylines moving forward. The Chiefs play next Sunday at 325 against the Derwin James Les Chargers out in Los Angeles as they face on Sunday, if you want to watch the game, the Cincinnati Bengals and number one overall pick and rookie quarterback Joe Burrow should be a whole lot of fun to watch. I saw that Mike Pouncey, their all-pro center, is injured and not going to play in this game. And then we already spoke during the teaser episode about Derwin James being out and how big a loss that is for the Chargers. It's, it's going to be cur- – I'm curious to see how Joe Burrow does. You know, like I'm curious to see if, if he was – a product of that LSU system, or if he was the catalyst that sort of made things go. And then, you know, I'll be curious to see what, what they do with him in that offense. And, you know, being a rookie, a lot of expectations, um, shortened preseason. So it'll be interesting to see that's for sure. And I'm looking forward to week one and seeing where everyone is uh, as it stands for week two. I'm just going to enjoy like sitting back. I just like the Thursday game. So I think you sit back yeah. and watch people on set. I just watch my fantasy team. I got off to a good start with Clyde and with the Chiefs defense, despite the late touchdowns, mm-hmm. a couple of those. But got off to a good start with the fantasy team. So feeling good about that. Um, but this was a fun episode, man. I It's I always fun it. to start. It's always fun to start with a victory. So we appreciate everybody for listening. The storyline moving forward. What I'm excited to see over the next week is how do Brett Veach and company offset the injuries to Alex Okafor and Colin Saunders? If he's going to miss even a little bit of time, like I said, do they bring Braxton Hoya Hoya up for one week before Mike Pinnell comes back from the injury, or do they sign a big time veteran or you know a veteran journeyman, a guy like Damon Harrison who's been one of the better players in the league at that position, or some other player uh, who's out there and available and uh, invested veteran. Uh, they can't guarantee a contract for right now is they're still on the street. So uh, something to pay attention to this week and this weekend to see what the Chiefs might do. they got a couple extra days, which is great news. But we appreciate everybody for listening. Again, please rate, review, subscribe. Let us know what you think and what we can do to make this show better. We will have guests in the future. We will have giveaways in the future. Thanks to our friends at Jack Stacks. We appreciate everybody for listening. Nick, do you have any parting words before we say goodbye? No, I don't. Um, fun. That was a fun win, and um, really looking forward to the season. I think the appropriate steps are being put into place in the stadiums. Um, I kind of okay. like the the limited capacity, and okay. you know, I think that we're bringing together some sort of normalcy with football coming back. Right, that's America's pastime. <laughs> Love it. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week. And again, this podcast will always be the day after the Chiefs game, so they will be on Mondays from now on, just like you saw with our old show in the trenches. We appreciate your support and everybody for checking in. We will see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.